Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you'll stand with me, if you are able, we'll come together and we will worship God through singing praises to him. And uh, Dave uh, mentioned that he noticed all the crowd is over on this side. So we expect this side. Yeah. Well, that's because it's in the back. So this side we used to need to sing exceptionally loud. Maybe they'll want to come and join you guys too. But let's come together and we'll sing Majesty. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. And good morning. Are you guys glad to be here? Yeah. Are you guys glad they're here? Yeah. There we go. So, and, and I don't know who's watching right now, but we're glad you're here too. Okay? You glad they're here with us? Yeah. Okay. So, remind me after we get done, so I don't forget, about the baseball game and about the training tonight. Okay? So remind me of those two things later because I'm getting old and I'm forgetful, all right? Something like that. So, but what I want to do right now is I want to pray. 
And I will say that the prayer sheets are out, so you can grab those. There's some back there. There's one on each side as you go out the door. Grab those. And otherwise, you'll get a really updated one tomorrow morning in your email. If you're not getting an email from us, then I encourage you to write that down and hand it to one of the deacons who are standing here, and they'll put it in that plate. It'll go to the office, and tomorrow you'll get an email from the office and appreciate that uh, so that you can be kept up to date on what's going on. All of the things that I forget to tell you this, to, today will be in the email tomorrow. That's how that kind of works, okay? So I encourage you to do that. We try to communicate that way, and we communicate twice weekly that way. So not only do you get the, the monthly thing, but then we also have the emails that come out to us on a, on a twice-a-week basis. So I want to pray. There was a lot of things to pray for, and I suspect, like always, that not everything gets on the prayer list. Uh, you either forgot about it when they were asking, or you weren't in Sunday school, and you have a prayer request, or you just honestly have one that, that's, that, that you don't know how to, to voice. And so we want to pray for that. Because God knows what it is before you say it. And, and the beauty of it is that God has the power and ability to answer your prayer and my prayer and people on the other side of the globe's prayer. And he has the ability to hear all of those things, to pray. We're not in the time slot. In other words, we don't have to be, you know, boom, let's have this prayer because otherwise it's somebody else's time slot. God hears all of our prayers, has the ability to answer the prayers, and we just have to trust God with it. That's what we bring it to God and we ask him to, to, to take care of the situation. You also have people on your heart, that I trust that you have people on your heart that don't know Jesus. You know, one of these days, the trump's going to sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and who know Jesus will meet him in the air. For those people who are not believers, I, I'm looking forward to the trump sounding. I want to fly, right? We sing that song, is it, I'll fly away? Yeah, I'll fly away. We sing that song every once in a while. And, and, and I, I want to I fly. I want to figure that out. You know, I don't, I don't want him to come down and, and make me go up six foot. I want, him, I want him to go up like thousands of feet. Okay? I don't know how it works, but I'm excited about that. But here's the thing. Those people that don't know Jesus, it's not an exciting time. So I want to pray for people I know that they're ready. And I want you to pray for people that you know that they would be ready. And that we might be instrumental in that. Sharing the love of Christ with those people that we know around us. So, if you would, join with me in prayer. Father, we come to you in prayer this morning. Father, we, we thank you and praise you, Lord. As we sang the majesty song. Father, one of these days, we'll see you. We, we talk about the majesty, but man, we just don't get it until we stand in front of you, Lord. Father, the book of Revelation describes it to us. There are other books, Isaiah, Ezekiel, that describe your majesty. Father, I, I think that, that we'll just be um, truly amazed when we stand before you and see all of your majesty and all of your glory. Father, look forward to that day. Father, I, I pray, Lord, I have things on my heart and things that people have mentioned to me, even this morning, Lord, for prayer requests. And Father, I want to lay those at your feet, Lord. Father, things that I don't have an answer for, things that, that I don't know how it's going to turn out, 
But Father, I want to put that into your hands. And Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers of these people, the requests of these people that are praying with me. And Father, that you would assure them that you're in the, in the midst of the situation working out your will. Father, I pray, Lord, for those that I know, Lord, that do not know you. Father, that might even deny that your existence would be impossible in their mindset. Father, I pray, Lord, today, along with these people and those that they are praying for, that somehow, Lord, that would change. And they would come to know you as Lord and Savior, and we might rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we're going to worship. This side's going to sing louder than this side. If you're able, and we'll continue to sing praises to the one and only Savior. <clears throat> You give. 
my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing. All right, we're in Acts chapter 2 again, okay? We're in Acts chapter 2 again. I'm going to say that next week because we'll finish out Acts chapter 2 next week. But we got the middle part. This is the, the section, if you've got it broken down, it's Peter's sermon is, is what we're talking about. We're going to see that. We're going to follow up last week's message where we had the Holy Spirit come and, and all the apostles... The disciples were speaking in, in a language they didn't know, uh, they were not accustomed to. But everybody got to hear. And that's what I love about this, is, is when we talked about that last week, it's the idea that God wants to connect with us. God wants to connect with us where we're at, so He can bring us to where we need to be. To take us out of our brokenness, and to take us to a place of healing to the place that God designed us to be. And sometimes that means God's got to reach down and find us where we're at. So the, the title of this one is Let This Be Known to You. We're going to read that scripture in a little bit. We're going to read that passage of scripture. It's in the very beginning of the verses that we're going to read. And it is a reply to what does this mean. In other words, God's got the people's attention. God's got the people's attention. And they're, 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 they're seeing what's going on. And they're amazed and perplexed by what's going on, and then Peter steps in and says, let this be known to you. So this was an interesting fact. I, this was actually, it was in, in the Bible, the Bible app. I talked about that before a couple weeks ago. This, when we did Acts chapter 1, this quote was in there. I put it back in this week, and so you can take a look at it. But there are, how many chapters in the book of Acts? There are 28. 
Okay? In those 28 chapters of Acts, there are 19 sermons or formal addresses. All right? Got that from a guy, Boyce is the, the author's name, that I, I grabbed that from. But he pointed out in the book of Acts, there, there are 28 chapters, there are 19 either sermons or formal addresses where somebody is teaching or preaching, and Luke thinks that that's great, good enough to put into his letter. Now, why does that excite me? It excites me and it also humbles me. Because I get to stand here and I get to do what was important to the early church. I get to preach on a Sunday. That's my, that's my calling, my task to do is stand up here and deliver the message to you. And it's important. And so I'm, I'm trying not to mess that up, right? Because it's an important kind of, it's kind of like making your birthday cake. All right, it's an important thing. I need to make sure that I do it right. And so teaching is central. That's what Luke, when Luke writes it this way and includes those 19 messages or formal addresses that, that are preaching or teaching, we understand that teaching is central to the advance of the gospel. Well, that's what this whole book is about, right? We started with 110 people in an upper room, and by the time we get to the end of Acts, We've got churches from Jerusalem all over that map because God has planted His church. The kingdom of God has gone out from Jerusalem. The message of the gospel has gone out. And there are now believers in that whole area in the time period that the book of Acts covers. And honestly, that's what we're still trying to do today is to push the, God, the word of God out there so that people on the map can hear about the about eternity, and about salvation. And so that's what we're still doing today. And how are we going to do that? Well, teaching is going to be central to that. Teaching is always central to the advancement of the gospel. You know, it's not just showing up. We need to show up, listen, and learn. Matter of fact, when we go through that at the end of the sermon, when we get done with the invitation, etc., will flash up on the screen. It's in the Bible app. It'll go out in the email tomorrow. They have you read. Why do, why do I do that? Because Why do we do that? Because we need to be engaged in the Scriptures. As believers, when, when we're reading about the early book of Acts, we're reading about the early church here in the book of Acts, you know these guys couldn't go down to the local Christian bookstore. They couldn't go online and order a Bible. They didn't have it on their phone. Can you believe how, how, how primitive that must have been? Not to be able to pull your phone out of your pocket and pull up the Bible? They didn't have a phone, did they? They couldn't go to the library and get it. They, they, they were tied up in scrolls. And so what you have in your hand is the ability to take into, the, into, your, into your life the teaching of God by simply opening up and reading it. How important is that that we get engaged in that? That we, have that, that we have that capacity. So let's look at this. What was God doing and what were they doing? Remember, those are two of the questions as we walk through the book of Acts that we're going to try to frame and understand in every one of the, the sermons, every one of these teaching times that we have. We want to know what was God doing. We want to try to formulate that. Well, you know, what was God doing? We, we, we just have to piece it together by what we see in the passage and secondly, what were they doing? And that they may refer to, may refer to, it's going to refer to Paul at one time, it's going to refer to Peter today and the other disciples. But we want to know what 
people like you and I were doing that God worked through them because what do we want? We want to prep ourselves for some trivia night? No, we want to prep ourselves to go out there and live in a way that would make a difference. You know, I'm just going to say this. Oftentimes we expect somebody else to make the difference. We can make a difference. And we can make a difference in somebody else's life. And we can make a difference in somebody else's life by pointing them to Jesus for eternity. Not only can you change their, their today, you can change their tomorrow by showing them and sharing with them about Jesus. So let's pick it up here in the 14th cha- verse of chapter 2. Now remember, God has got their attention. These, these the tongues of fire rested on the disciples and they began to speak in languages of the people that were come together for Pentecost. Remember, they, this is one of those um, pilgrimage festivals where they had to come back to Jerusalem. So people from all over that map behind these words all came to that little dot down there in Jerusalem. So you had people from all over the place. They all came together, and God now has their attention. It's that car crash where they heard the noise, and they had to come and see what was going on. And when they get there, they try to figure out what's going on, and they say, what does this mean? And then Peter takes it from here. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declare to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my bond slaves both men and women i will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, Excuse me, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. 
You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I say confidently, say to, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, was poured forth this, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What does this mean? That's the sentence that started it all off. That was the, 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 the introduction for Peter to step in with what we just read. You get two sermons today. You get Peter's sermon, which is really good, and you're going to get mine. Okay, so that's how this works. You're getting doubled up today. You've got two sermons in this. What does this mean? I want you to think about this. Because in this passage of Scripture, in the Acts chapter 2, we see God doing something that brings the people together, that makes them ask that question, that opens a door for Peter to answer that question. When, he said, when they ask, what does this mean? All of this noise, all of this going on, all that we see and hear, what does this mean? And Peter takes that opportunity and steps right in there says, and, and, and begins to preach to them. Now here's what I want you to think about. I'm going to ask you this a little bit later. But as you go through the week, odds are, that God wants to work through you to help you reach somebody in some capacity with the gospel message. It may be a reassuring thing. They may be a Christian, and they may need to, to be grounded again back in God's Word. It may be that they don't know Christ. But what we're looking for is we're looking for that door to be open to us. We're looking for that opportunity that God would would place the words on their tongues so they would speak them to us and then we'd say, boom, this is the moment that God wants me to share. And I don't know what it might be to share. You don't have to have it rehearsed necessarily. You just have to be able to, 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 to step through that door. You either you lose it or you use it, right? And what are you going to do when that opening comes are you going to walk away from it? Or are you going to use that as an opportunity to speak Jesus into their lives? When we talk about the three circles, remember we, we've, we've been over that before. Some of you may not know, but it's a, a method by which you could share the gospel with people because it, in, in the, the three circles, what we're looking for is that brokenness. Everybody has some brokenness. 
Have you had a conversation last week with somebody that complained to you about something in their life? Yeah. Okay? That is an opportunity. That's the brokenness that happens in our lives. We weren't intended to live in the consequences of sin. But since we sin, we have all of this brokenness. And so what we need to do, what we find is people try to get out of brokenness. You know, and, and, and so they, they do it in multitudes of ways. Some might use drugs, some might use alcohol, some might use wealth, some might use a job, some might use family, whatever. They're, they're trying to climb out of the brokenness, but they never find Jesus. And guess what? When you're trying to climb out of a hole of brokenness, and you're not using, you know, Jesus is the only way out of the brokenness. And we need people to help understand that. All those other things, they, they, they fall short. They don't, they don't deliver like they promised. And so what we need to do is show them Jesus and show them the restoration so they can be back where God has designed them or God's design. God's design was broken by our sin. We live in the brokenness and we need that restoration that Jesus provides. So what we're looking for is that exact thing. What does this mean? Is that it, it represents to you and I in our life the opportunity to speak Jesus into somebody else's life. This week, you probably will have an opportunity. How will we recognize it? And what will we do with it? Let's read what Peter does with this. And he says, let this be known to you. Let this be known to you. Do you notice this? He starts out, these guys aren't drunk. It's the third hour of the day. Where did that come from? Here's where that comes from. Because when we see things happen that we can't explain, we start to explain those things. And we use the only things that we know. When people start you know, talking in languages they don't know, we've assumed that alcohol has all of a sudden empowered them. Go figure that one out. Okay, but anyway, that's the, their, their assumption was, and that was one of the leading, apparently leading thoughts in the group was, they must have been drinking. Now, Peter sets the record straight. And he doesn't just stop there, because guess what? He could have stopped. They're not drunk. But he goes on to do what? He goes on and ties into Joel. So what he's got is a bunch of people that are there. What? They're there for the, the Pentecost. They're there because of a religious festival. So they already have an idea of the Scriptures, otherwise they wouldn't be there in the first place. And so they're back here, and now God is speaking through Peter, I'm going to say giving him the words that he's mapped, that he's been speaking to the people. And, he, and I understand, and I want to, I'm going to stop for a moment there. Sometimes what we like is prepared words. I prepared to preach today. I'm not standing up here absent of notes, even though I don't have anything in my hands. Just remember, it's the vanity thing. Okay, I can't read them without glasses, so, and I can't see you with glasses on, so here we are. But I have prepared. The Scripture tells us that there are times when we just need to be open and allow God to speak through us. And I suspect that as Peter stands there, that this wasn't something he'd mapped out knowing that what was going to happen, but he was ready, and God spoke through him. 
And so he ties into the prophecy of Joel of the Spirit being unleashed and young men and women speaking, becoming modern-day prophets, if you will. And that's exactly because what does a prophet do? He delivers God's message based on the past, looking towards the future, but in the present. And that's exactly what Peter's doing. And Peter moves to there, he moves to a point where he, he ties into the prophecy that they know. And so he, he knows the audience, he ties that in. See, this is God at work. Love that. So when we, when we hammer up because we don't know what to say, that's okay that we don't know what to say. Let God speak through you. Quit trusting in your own tongue. Let God take care of that tongue just like He did Peter's. And who knows what will happen if God would have control of your tongue instead of you. Okay, Might be a better thing. So here we go. So Peter begins to preach this message to them and he begins to tell them about Jesus. Do you love that? I mean, he goes to the prophecy and then he goes, this is a fulfillment of prophecy, tying them in understanding. And then he goes into this repertoire or this explanation about Jesus, Jesus the Nazarene. So he identifies somebody that they know of and have heard of at this time. So Jesus the Nazarene. What does he tell us about Jesus the Nazarene? He said that God had worked miracles and wonders and signs through him. In other words, what we saw in Jesus is exactly what happened in the beginning of the day of Pentecost. God did something to draw the people to let them know that this was not an ordinary man, this was his son. So when we look back, because here's what happens. Here's what could have happened. Because to the multitude of people, they had this Jesus who'd done all these great things. It came to an end. They put him in a grave. In other words, he lost whatever he was trying to accomplish when they, when they, put him to, when they hung him on the cross and they put him in the grave. It was all over with because that's how it works, right? Put me in the grave, it's all over with. And so... He ties into that. And he sa what he says is this. Is that was a predetermined plan. Did you catch that? Because if you were working out the arrival of the Son of God, would you have had him born in a manger with nobody around? You'd have had fireworks. You'd have had a national televised event for this. But God chose to deliver him in a manger and tell the shepherds out in the field about it. And bring some wise man sometime later that followed a star and asked people that should have known but didn't know. And then to proclaim him King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you would have put him on the cross. That was God's plan, not ours. And so what we need to understand is as, as Peter's walking through this, God had a plan, and God worked it out. And there was nothing as a surprise to him. You put it, the godless man put him to death, and in the end, you crucified him, is what Peter says to the multitude that are listening. And he says, you crucified him, and, and you put him to death, and you walked away. But God did what? I love that. God left him in the grave, put a pillow under his head. 
No! He raised him up from the dead. Jesus overcame death. Did not suffer the decay that he uses as he talks about the reference that David. Remember, they, they raised David up, but David points to Jesus. That's exactly how Peter takes that scripture and says, that what you read about David and misinterpreted, that was pointing to Jesus. This Jesus that you just crucified, that God raised him from the dead. That's the Jesus, the Nazarene. That's who I'm preaching to you. God has raised him up. Powerful stuff. He identified with the audience. He understood what they understood. And then he took it to a place that they didn't understand. When you and I are out talking to people, what do we know about what they know? Sometimes it's going to take asking questions so that we discover their, a little bit of their background so we can take them from where they're at to where they need to go. I've shared this before, but we're just, we just got the opportunity to go back into the jail down here in Macomb County Jail and have Bible study. Matter of fact, Tuesday night, pray for me because it's my night to go in and speak to whoever they bring into the room. And I'll often ask, I won't ask, I'll, I'll ask and two questions that I ask them what their name is, and I just need a first name. And then this, the second thing is I usually ask them about their their background in reference to church. In other words, how much background do they have? How much, do they, how much might they remember or not remember about what the Bible teaches? And so what, what Peter has done here, he's identified with an audience and he knows what they know and then he takes them to another level. What we need to do is we walk around our people, the people that God has placed in our sphere of influence. What do they know about Jesus? What do they know about church? What do they, you know, what's their concept of going to heaven? And so we have to take them from where they're at, which is probably a misunderstanding, probably a wrong theological point. We have to take them to the right place. And so that's what Peter is doing in this. And then he ends with this, that God, when he talked about Jesus has been raised up, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Jesus was not just a man. He was and is the Messiah. He is no longer dead. He is alive. We have a misunderstanding, uh, and that's what Peter is clarifying to his people. He's clarifying to them who Jesus is and what God has done with him, where he sits now, so they understand the proper place. That, because there was a time when they thought he was just a guy. He's not just a guy. John pointed that out in the beginning of his book, that this was God incarnate. Why does he do that? Because people don't quite understand it. Matter of fact, if you read the Baptist Press this last week, you'll see one of the Barna studies alludes to the fact that 47% that of Gen something, Gen X, Gen Z, believe that Jesus sinned. They have a misconception of who Jesus is. That's their understanding because every, they consider him what? If they consider him to sin, they consider him to be just a guy like you and I. And just a guy like you and I is going to mess up. They don't understand that he is the Son of God, that he is God incarnate that walked on this earth, and that, yes, he is without sin. 
Now, I can be frustrated by that, or I can understand my audience and go out there and try to teach them what they've not been taught. I can go out there and, and correct the misconceptions that they have because we have an enemy that works against us to, to, to sow the seeds of doubt and lies that have people walk away from Jesus. What was God doing? What was God doing here? He was bringing the people together to hear this message. Did, did any of the words that came out of Peter's lips surprise God? No, he put them there. He put those words there so he could speak to the audience that God had assembled together, that God drew them from the city, throughout the city, and whatever they were doing at that particular hour, and he drew them to hear the message of the gospel to hear about Jesus, to hear that this Jesus was alive and that this Jesus could save them. That's what they got to hear. So God was assembling. What was Peter and the disciples doing? They on that day became modern day prophets because God spoke to them and they spoke it to the people. It's all that they did. They were that, they were that person. They were the Jeremiah, Isaiah moved up into this day of Pentecost. You and I can be the same thing. We, how do we prepare ourselves to be the spokesperson for God? We listen to what God speaks to us, and then we speak it to the people. That we be open to that. Allow our tongue to be used by God. That's what these people did. When we look at this, what was God doing? God's bringing the people together so they can hear the life-changing, eternity-changing message of the gospel. And guess what? God's still doing that today. God has delayed his return, sending Jesus back. Why? Because he's given an opportunity for all those that do not know Jesus to come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. He still desires what he desired on the day of Pentecost is that people would know that Jesus died for them and Jesus provided the salvation that they could not. He's still working through people the Peters and Johns, etc., of that day are you and I of today. And he wants to speak through us. Maybe not in this large platform where thousands of people are gathered together to hear the gospel message, but to speak one-on-one, -on -one, to speak the gospel message. What's the action steps? What are we going to do with this here? What are we going to do with what we just read? Here's a couple things that I want you to think about. There's four things this week. I want you to identify, look for, and record your invite. Tell me, what was your line that represent? What, what does this mean? That's the line that started with Peter going into this message. To this week, I want you to look for that invitation. You, whoever you're talking to, what was it that gave you an open door, even if you didn't take it? Even if you walked away and, and, and five minutes later go, I blew it because that was my invitation in. I want you to write it down. I want you to write down what your invite line was. Even if you missed it, it's okay. Because the more that we look for it, the more that we'll be ready. So that's what, that's what I want you to work for. And if you get more than one invite line, write them down. I'd love for you to email them to me or put them in the plates next week. Okay, so they know that you saw that God was at work to give you an opportunity to share. Describe your audience. In other words, the people that you're around, the people that you're praying for, what do they know about Jesus? Describe that audience. What do they know about Jesus? 
and what do they need to hear? Those are the, those are those three questions are kind of coupled together. What do they know? What's describe your audience? This was a Jewish group of people that came together that knew the Old Testament. What did they need to hear? They needed to hear that Jesus was the answer or the fulfillment to the prophecy, and they needed to know that He came, He as the Messiah to provide salvation for them, to forgive us of sins that the blood of bulls and goats could not do. And so that's their audience. What's your audience today? Is it filled with the Gen Zs or Gen Xs, whatever that was group was, that think that Jesus sinned? What was it? What kind of, what kind of understanding did they have about Jesus? Because I have to be aware of that in an audience because sometimes people don't know about Noah. They don't know about Adam. They don't know about Eve. They just they didn't grow up in church. And we have to be more aware of that, that they don't know everything that we know. And it's not because they're, they're just unlearned. Nobody bothered to teach it to them. They never got into a church. They never got into a Sunday school where they listened. It's going to be our opportunity, kind of like a missionary that goes to a foreign, foreign land where they've not had the Gospel, they've not had the Bible. We have to... We have to Bring them along. Introduce them to Jesus. Because Jesus is who they need to know as the Lord and Savior. We're going to stand. We're going to give the invitation. So here's what I want to do. In the invitation time, the invitation is always open if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, for you to make your way down here and to ask whatever question it is that you might want to ask so that we can move you along to the place that you need to be. No question is too silly. Right? You come down and ask that question. You can ask it of me. You can ask it of one of the deacons that will be standing down here. And, and we'll do our best to answer that question because your eternity lies in the balance. If you want to come and pray for somebody that you, that you know, you're going to pray, I, I'm going to see that person this week, and I want to be ready when that opportunity, when that invite comes, I want to be ready. I want to pray for that invite. You come down and pray. Maybe you have something else that you're, you're praying for. Maybe you have something else that God is doing in your life. Then I pray that you would come down here and share that with us. It might be a call to be a missionary. It might be something else that God has called you to do. But this time of invitation, let's not take it lightly. Because it's our invite from God to respond to what He's been doing in our life. And so let's pray for one another. If somebody comes down here, let's pray for them. They're not delaying your lunch, okay? Let's pray for them and let's pray with them as the body of Christ because we need one another. If you feel compelled to join the church, make your way down here. Let's stand and we're going to sing with Adam. Jesus, draw me ever nearer as I labor through the storm you have called me to this passage and I'll follow though I'm worn may this journey Bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith. And at the end of my heart.
was testing with your likeness. Let me wait. Jesus, guide me through the tempest. Keep my spirit stayed and sure. When the midnight meets the morning, let me love you even more. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith. And at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wait. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith and at the end of my heart's testing with your likeness let me wait if you would join with me in prayer father we thank you for your love for us we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the examples that we can read out of the scripture. And Father, we pray that you would use us this, story, this week, Lord, for your honor and your glory. Father, to speak that message into someone's life. Father, to live out what it means to be a follower of you in our daily lives. Father, I pray that you'd go with us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the have you read for this week, Genesis, Ezekiel, Hebrews, and then Mark. Two announcements.